Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. I'm Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. Got Lavender Gooms here. Good evening, all. Got DJ Mark here. Hey, hey. Got Kid Presentable here. Hey, Bobby, how you doing? No, he's not here. That was terrible. Um, Steph's over at the Dubs game right now, watching us kick the shit out of, I don't know, somebody. Are oh. people going to understand what the dubs means? Because I wouldn't have. Oh, yeah, you live <laughs> that, here, too. Is that well known enough that you can just throw that out? Hashtag, hashtag dub nation, much? folks. It's the Warriors game. He's at the Warriors right, game okay. watching us. We're about to kick Memphis's Dixon. So You know, in, in my old neighborhood, uh, dubs meant Washington. Uh, that's what we called uh, the high school in my neighborhood, G-dubs. Well, okay. We're, we're G-dubs. We, we're, we're G-S-dubs. <laughs> Let's go with that. And, and also, when this... Stefan become Mickey Mouse. I mean, that's his best. That, that's that was all I got, man. That is, that's, I, can do, I do Mickey Mouse like that. If you ask me to do Ben Franklin, he's going to sound like that. You know, <laughs> you want me to do literally anybody. That's what it's going to sound like. <laughs> Not a lot of range on those impersonations. Exactly. All right, boys and girls, we're going to talk about some stuff. Um, we're going to, should we talk about, should we just talk about Floyd Mayweather first or should we talk about the real shit? Let no, me ask let's, let me, you had a whole schedule, Bobby. Let's stay on course. That was not Captain's a that, that, that was that was that was that was not a schedule. Uh, that was just a list of topics. Um, all right, uh, UFC 230 happened. Uh, I don't know, Mike. Ten minute train ride, fifteen minute train ride from you. Ah <laughs> um, and come on, man, you're you are overestimating how great the New York City trains are. Although. If it's, the trains are right there, yeah, maybe like ten minutes. I was gonna say it's not that far from you. It's low, you're, you know, it's it's in what? Is it in Midtown? It's in Midtown. Yeah. And thanks to the illustrious Q train, it could possibly be fifteen minutes away if I catch the right break with the train. Um. Yeah. Happened at Madison Square Garden in New York. Um. There was a lack of commission bullshit. I think this time, or at least we didn't hear about it. Um. So, uh, headlined by. The champ champ, the daddest man on the planet himself, Daniel Cormier, becomes the first man to do something, right? He def- he has two he belts. Defended. He, def- he has two belts and defended both belts. Yeah. Has the anybody – he's also the first person to success – Has did, is he the first person to defend – Belts in two different weight classes successfully. Yes. I, I think so. Did Randy? Is, did Randy never? Did Randy defend a belt? Because no. Randy was never a champion at the same time. No, no, really. no. I meant, no, I meant has any? I mean, is he the first person to defend? I'm not even talking about at the same time being champion in two places. Oh, just in general. Yeah. Now, did Randy never defend those belts successfully? I mean, he did light heavyweight. I think he did heavyweight too. I, I would well, say who did, who did defend did light heavyweight? Well, against that was the one I didn't because he got it from Chuck, and then he beat somebody. Didn't he? Oh no, he lost to Belfort after, and then he got it back from Belfort. Maybe he never did defend it. Let me take uh, a look. You know what? Well, let's let's let Mike for, talk while I look this up. <laughs> look for sure, for sure. Daniel Cormier is the first champ champ to ever defend both his belts at the same time. Yeah, that's legit. 
Okay, he defended the heavyweight title. The light heavyweight title. Uh, I mean, kind of. He won the interim belt. And then he won the unified belt. That's not defending, really. Anyway, whatever. Daniel Cormier's record book, his, his legacy is secure. He went out there Saturday night. Um, he fought Derek Lewis the way he should fight. He should fight Derek Lewis. Um, control them on the ground. Derek Lewis did that thing where he just got up. That happened. Um, in the second round, Derek Lewis got one decent combination off. Marcus, do you remember what he hit him with at the end of the combo? He got him. I hit him with the right hand. Yeah, he got him. He got him pretty good. And then Cormier is like, I'm done fucking around with this big dude. Um, took him down, took his back, choked him. Derek Lewis, uh, got paid, got pretty famous in the last month, lost in the second round. Um, workmanlike performance, huh, Marcus? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of the talk coming out of this fight was that uh, DC made it look easy and um, that he, you know, he he really wasn't in much trouble. And that's kind of some of the narrative that we got going into this fight. We knew that Derek Lewis stylistically matched up pretty well for Daniel Cormier. Um, and really, Daniel made it look so easy because he's a fantastic wrestler. And a guy like Derek Lewis, I mean, he can defend some takedowns and stuff, but when it comes to the level of DC and how he's able to get those high crotches, Derek Lewis has just never came across as a fighter to me that had like perfect control over his body, even though he's a really heavy guy. Like when you look at like a Mark Hunt, Mark Hunt's a guy that kind of has better control over his body. He's able to defend takedowns a little bit more. And Derek Lewis just doesn't really have that innate ability in him. So I wasn't too surprised when Daniel was able to successfully score all these um, single legs. And what a lot of people looked at, which was really kind of, I don't, I don't want to say like amateurish, but kind of a low skill bar move that Daniel got in the second round was he had him in a front headlock position. And normally when guys kind of get in that position, you you don't sprawl out, but you put your legs out. And what Derek Lewis didn't do, he didn't do that. And uh, DC was able to ankle pick him, basically have him in a uh, front headlock and just grab the back of uh, Derek Lewis's uh, ankle and just lift it up and, and get a takedown. So he was able to score takedowns easily. Um, one thing that I don't think a lot of people are giving credit for, and even Bobby kind of mentioned it, but kind of blew it off. And this is something that Derek is actually pretty good at. He, he's good at getting off his back and he was able to do so in this fight. And I kind of accredited it to his last fight thinking like, oh, he's just a big guy. He muscles his way out of there, but it's really not. He knows some stuff on the ground, especially when it comes to being in side mount that he's able to dig that underhook in and he's big enough and strong enough and he knows how to use that technique well enough to get back up. And uh, DC wasn't able to stop that, but he was just able to avoid the dangerous spots of Derek Lewis being on the feet, exchanging punches with him, constantly able to get him against the cage, take him down. And um, he was able to get that choke in in the second round, which I think a lot of people were kind of surprised just because Derek Lewis is a hard guy to ride because he's so big. And uh, DC is also a big guy. I think a lot of people thought, like, is he going to be able to get his hooks in? Is he going to be able to control his back? And he showed that he was able to, sunk the choke in, got a good, easy victory for himself here without sustaining too much damage, which I think is what we all wanted going into this one. Yeah, Mike, um, Steph uh, talked about that with uh, – talked about this with me uh, after the fight was over where – and we think that we talked about it before the fight itself where, like, we kind of uh, – Derek Lewis is, like – he was a deserving – contender for this title he's the number two ranked guy right behind stipe and we we got this fight in a time where both guys had were compromised and it's almost like derek derek's shot kind of went just to save this card you know what i mean it kind of you know it didn't really we didn't get the full experience what do you think about that 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, Derek, I think, was deserving of a title shot. As you mentioned, he was number two in the rankings. He was nine and one in his last 10. But let's call a spade a spade. Let's call it how how it is. There's no way Derek Lewis was going to be Daniel Cormier, even fully healthy, even with a full training camp outside of just one lucky shot. And I think this was beneficial to Derek Lewis because had he not gotten this title shot now, he likely would not have gotten it at all. Um, because Daniel Cormier likely at this point was either going to take this fight or just wait for Brock Lesnar at this point. And that would have meant Derek Lewis was going to have to wait probably at least a year if he was going to wait for a title shot, which most likely the UFC wasn't going to allow him to do. And he may have lost in his next fight. And he got a very big paycheck for this fight. It was all guaranteed, which was something that he touched on. I think this is all beneficial for Derek Lewis. And it turned out okay, considering where we were with this card a month ago. Marcus, what do you think? I mean, Mike make it a good point, you know, uh, maybe this was all good for Derek. And you know what? We all kind of think, even though he's only 33 years old, given his back issues, we kind of wonder how much Derek's got. It was it good for him, you know, to take advantage of the situation and get paid the big fight while it was on the table? Yeah, no, I, I think Mike brought up a lot of interesting good points that, you know, me and Steph were talking about. It did seem like Derek Lewis was taking this on short notice because the cards aligned aligned right and he'd have to take a short notice fight because he might not get another one. But I think Mike um, kind of looks at the other equation and makes a really valid point that if it wasn't now, when was it going to be? And Derek Lewis would probably have to get another win, maybe two against another high caliber opponent. And we just know with and it's not, it's not taking anything away from Derek Lewis. We love the guy. He's a great personality. He's all heart. He goes in there and just has, you know, just fantastic fights. But his his skill level does have a ceiling that um I think at the higher echelons of this weight class, he could lose to a lot of these guys. Um I still want to see these fights. I think there's still a lot of interesting matchups you can put in Derek Lewis, but I think Mike raised a lot of interesting points. And obviously, Derek, like uh, Mike was alluding to, really made the most out of this fight. Even though the training preparation wasn't there, he wasn't able to give DC a big challenge. He he cashed in big. Like Mike said, he was guaranteed a big paycheck. He got the sponsorships with Popeyes, which was, you know, talk of the town leading up into this fight. And I think he really kind of staked his name in this fight, too. I think a lot of fans that may not have been aware of Derek Lewis now know who he is and maybe more interested in seeing him fight, even though his performance wasn't great. Um, I, I was just thinking earlier today some fights that I would love to see uh, Derek Lewis in. And one of them was, I think it would be a really fun fight because he's one of my favorites, is him and Overeem. I think we would have a really fun matchup because those are two guys that are going to stand and bang. And I'd love to see if Derek can with, with, uh, withhold and take the punishment Overeem dishes out because I could easily see Derek getting a big punch in and winning that fight too. I think that's a really fun fight. I think there's a lot of interesting fights you can make with Derek um, in this weight class. Um, so I, I hope his back's not too bad, and I hope he's going to be able to bounce back from this uh, loss, and we can still see him fight because he, he's an entertaining fighter. I think he deserves the paychecks coming his way. So we got and, we got him just selling. Some, just one more thing on Derek Lewis, and just to note just how fleeting a title shot could be. Let's remember he was losing his last fight, you know, maybe 14 minutes of it. So that's how close it came to him not getting this title shot at all. Yeah, and and one other flip of the coin, Bob, before we go on, because there's a lot of their fights to go into. Uh, I want to give credit to DC. 
this is a guy that takes calculated risks throughout his career and they always seem to work out for him. But besides the John Jones fights, which I don't think were calculated risks, I think those were that was an opponent he had to beat to kind of solidify himself. But you can look back at UFC 200 where he took a short uh, notice fight with Anderson Silva, a very dangerous opponent, probably more dangerous than Derek Lewis, um, and was able to get the W there. So I, you have to give some credit to Daniel Cormier looking at the situation, assessing his 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 risk factors in some of these short notice um, offers and picking wisely so far throughout his career. You know, this was a big risk for him to take this Derek Lewis, Lewis fight, but it made sense. This was an opponent that he would potentially be able to win fairly easily, not sustain a lot of damage, and still make his big payday against Brock. And, and it turned out to be exactly what he uh, foretold. So uh, you have to give him a lot of credit being a smart manager of his own career and destiny. Yeah, um... DC, MMA doesn't deserve DC. It's a shitty sport full of sh fucking nutty people. Nutty sport full of shitty people. Let me flip that around because I like the sport. But, like, he's does everything right, man. Does everything right. We had to put up, he had to put up with motherfuckers booing him just because, oh, oh, yeah, John, let's, all, let's, all, let's all celebrate John Jones because people love a fuck up. Um, and by the way, DC's out there saying, like, he doesn't, like, he's like, John Jones is like, he's not going to give DC a fight. And DC made a good point. He's like, who the fuck are you to, like, not grant him a fight? Like, DC, I wouldn't want to fuck with it either if I was DC. I mean, look, you get paid, you get paid. If they're going to pay him the money, they're going to pay him the money. But, like, fuck this. Go get paid in the Brock fight and go home, man. If he wanted to go home today, too, fuck it, go home. What do you think, Mike? Why yeah, does he have to deal I mean, with this prick? Let me go. Let me put it like that. Why does he have to deal with this prick? Because he seems to come to terms with, look, the guy beat me twice, but what do you want me to do? Like, what? What does he? Have, why does he have to put up with this asshole? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if DC was five years younger, maybe he would be raring to go more for you know the third fight in the trilogy, maybe to get it back. But at this point, DC knows he has less than a year left in the sport. He wants to get one more massive payday and. Brock Lesnar is the way to go for that. It's that's a bigger fight than John Jones. Why does he care about John Jones at this point? He's just looking back at his career, you know, retrospectively now. Like it, he, John Jones doesn't matter to him in the long run now. Even John Jones is like, well, I I wouldn't even fight him in heavyweight. I have to fight him because I don't want to give Don, uh, DC that advantage. DC got two belts, man. DC's calling the shots. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking about this like. Maybe money's everything, and he gets paid to, to fight John after he fights Brock. No, but I, I think a lot what you're seeing, and we'll probably get into it later when we talk about the potential matchup. Well, the matchup with him and Alexander, and the the stuff that happened at the press conference. But it seems to me that John Jones kind of he's feeling the repercussions of his actions now. He used to be able to fuck up, and everyone was like, "Ah, you're still top dog. You know, you're better than DC. You've beaten everyone in the weight class. You're the top dog." But now that DC went to heavyweight and kind of was able to wash John Jones out of his system. John Jones is kind of the guy sitting on the outside being like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. Why is everyone talking about this guy? Talk about me. I'm the best. And and really, the division has passed him by because of all the fuck-ups he's done outside of the octagon. And, and DC is just the embodiment of that. He's all the things that John Jones could have been in more if he didn't make these stupid, stupid decisions in his personal life. And I think that's eating away at, at, at John Jones at this point. I feel like he knows, like, this guy is has done the things that I wanted to do in my because we talked. John Jones wanted to go to heavyweight. He wanted to be double champ yeah. champ. He wanted to defend both those belts. And the reality is, is that he's not the guy with the two belts. It's DC, a guy that he's beaten twice. 
you know, without a question of, I mean, there is the the drug contest and the no contest because of the failed drug test. But in the octagon, he beat DC both times, and he doesn't have the wares to show for it. And DC uh, DC does, and I have to imagine that just gnaws at him so much, and that's why he's trying to play these mind games, saying like, "Oh, I'm not going to give DC." It's like, dude, you're not in the driver's seat anymore. You were for a long time, and you fucked up, and we let you keep driving that train. But DC took over. And he controlled it, and he moved over into another lane that you're not even in now. So you have work to do, son. You have to go in there. You have to beat Alex. You have to reestablish yourself to get to the level where DC's at now. And I think that really eats away at him because he knows that he's competed against this guy and beaten him twice. And yet he's still higher on the mantle than he is now. This is going to sound like a weird question, I think, that I'm going to pose to you guys. Considering that we saw John Jones head cake DC into oblivion, and we know that the only reason DC got the belt after that fight was because of the failed drug test. Uh, for you guys, considering that DC is going to lose his belt just because the UFC needs to throw a belt for a pay-per-view mm-hmm. it, when Jones and Gustafson fight, do you guys kind of feel like the light, that light heavyweight title fight is going to be cheapened a bit? It, it's going to be weird that you're almost thinking... If John Jones wins, it's like, yeah, hey, you're not the real heavyweight champ, light heavyweight champ. I mean, I don't know. Look, John Jones is probably the most talented fighter we've any of us have ever seen, right? And he never lost that belt in the octagon, but twice, man. They took it away from him twice. Like, and I don't know. DC was there. Just three years of this shit's been going on. DC was there. DC defended it against Alex. DC defended it against Rumble. DC defended it against Vulcan. And yeah, he got kicked up his upside his head and lost. But you know what? Motherfucker tested positive for steroids again. And your feelings on steroids aside is, let's just put it like this. The man cheated and the fight doesn't count because he cheated. He broke the rules. So I don't know. I mean, does the belt mean anything? Do any of them mean anything? <laughs> the heavyweight ones seem pretty legit. I'll give him that, man. <laughs> the heavyweight yeah, there, was no, there was no interim at heavyweight well that i mean was there was i mean there was for a minute but then kane came back and lost his belt right but yeah, yeah. I mean, they all, it sorted itself out at the end and uh, i think you know it should be an interim belt because dc still technically the champion but now that i mean dc kind of laid the road work ahead and it doesn't look like he's going back to light heavyweight there was talks that he might rematch john jones but now you know with him basically retiring in like april right or march it looks like he's got one more you know, in the chamber, and that bullet has Brock Lesnar's name on it, and there is, you know, still a chance that that fight might not come to fruition, and maybe we do see John Jones and DC scrap again. Um, I think it's definitely happening, Marcus. Honestly, I think it has to happen. He Brock looks so much smaller. I, I hope so. I want to see that fight. I think it's extremely interesting, and I think DC has kind of done enough for the company to kind of get that big payday. And I think Brock is a great opponent for DC. And I, I think Brock feels the same way too. Cause I mean, Brock has to look at it. He's like, this guy's a wrestler like I am. And he might be a little more technical in the punches, but he probably doesn't hit as hard as I do. So I think it's it's an interesting matchup. It's really compelling. And I want to see it come to fruition. And, you know, there's a lot of mumbo jumbo contracts with WWE and athletic commissions and all this, that in the end. But for the most part, especially when it comes to Brock, those things seem to sort themselves out. And he's able to fight in the UFC regardless of, test he might not pass and whatnot so i hope that fight comes to fruition because i want dc to get that one last payday against someone that isn't john jones and kind of put that all behind him because it's just it's marred him for so long and like you said bob he's such a nice guy he really doesn't deserve all the shit he'd been getting you know and look i'm from us too i want to say that i was always a proponent of giving the guy his his due but we've all been critical and 
talked about him not being the champion of light heavyweight because of stuff with John Jones. The but heavily disputed light heavyweight. I mean, you know what? Yeah. what you know what? Say. He said it himself. He's not his fault. That other guy motherfucker disqualified himself. You can only fight the guys that are available to you. And of the guys available, Daniel Cormier was the best. And you know, this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but like, I was kind of proud that like, this guy's fighting out of the Bay Area. He's made this place home. He coaches, you know, he does shit in the community in the South Bay. And he's a good dude, man. Like, he's out there. He's out there. He's, he's, he's literally coaching high school wrestling and donating his salary. Like, he coaches little kid wrestling. He's a good dude, man. Let him... Let's have one of these, man. Let's 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 have one we like. Let's not get. And then it seems like whenever he fights Jones and he gets involved with Jones, he just looks worse. It makes honestly, it's, everybody feels gross when it's over. Like the fights are they're they're both incredible fighters. You want to see the matchup, but like everybody just feels gross about it. It feels like by the time you get to it, and I saw it twice. John's better at two hundred five pounds. If John wants to fight him at heavyweight, at least that's different. But anyway, let's just let's get going here. Um. He's going to fight Brock, it sounds like. Um, Brock won the WWF Universal Championship in that embarrassment of an event that was WWE um, Oil Money, or I think it was called something else. Crown um, Jewel. Yeah. Uh, WWE Blood on Their Hands was another name for it, alternate <laughs> title. Those are all good titles yeah. for events. They actually uh, do sound low-key pretty good. Dude, the names of this shit, they used to name this shit the best stuff, man. Just WWE Vengeance. You know, that was a good one. Backlash still exists. I liked Vengeance. Armageddon. That was the best. This named shit the end of the world. It was wonderful. Um, Marcus, do you remember back in the day we used to see pictures of Vader, Big Van Vader in Japan, holding three belts? He was the Triple Triple Crown champion. Daniel Cormier is about to go Triple Crown on us, bitch. Because he's going to take the 205. He's going to be 205. He'll have the belt still. He'll have the heavyweight title. And then he'll have the WWE Universal title. He told Brock to bring it. He told Brock to bring the belt. He told him to bring the belt. Oh, God, I, part of me thinks they put the belt back on Brock just so he would show up to the fight with the belt. Like, that you would mean be... the WWE? No, the UFC to fight with the WWE belt. That oh, made I mean, me, that made me if, so happy. If things work out in, like, a perfect world, DC beats Brock. He gives him the belt. They sign DC to be a commentator on WWE and then on the WWE show, he just gives it back to Brock. He's like, I, I'm going to be commentating. I can't wrestle you for this here. Just take this garbage back. I got the real belts over here. That would be... Take your shitty-ass red belt back with you. <laughs> and I'm going to go sit in the booth with... I have no idea who's in the booth at WWE. I was going to say Jim Ross, but that guy's long gone. Uh, Col- uh, if he's on SmackDown, Tom... Cole the coach. No, no, no. It's Tom and... Uh... Tom? Oh, my God. I'm out of it. Tom's not bad. And then they probably shit can Saxton. So they probably go with Corey. Um, Mike, Jones Gus 2. Good times, huh? If we see it, it's going to be in, a, in about two months. <laughs> All I saw of the press conference was the little scene when they were doing the uh, the little posing for the camera. Mm. And uh, Jones pushed them. That's all I saw. This is going to be the first fight where I actively want John Jones to lose. Because I think it'd be good... For everybody, including John Jones, he just seems petty now. I he need him to lose. Really petty. Like he, you just... didn't want to see him lose when he uh, fought Rampage. Well, okay. I mean, okay. That's it. Let's put it this way: it's been a while because you and me sat in an arena and rooted for Shogun. So maybe I'm like, I, I'm, I, I actively think it'd be good for everybody if he lost this fight. 
Like in, in fairness, I rooted for Shogun because of the New Jerseyans that were in attendance. There are plenty of New York people there who couldn't say Shogun also. <laughs> Ru- Shogun, Shogun Rua. Rua. Do you know what's great about that? We were sitting by all the Croatians. Krokop came out. They got all hyped. And then Brendan Schaub dribbled his head on the fucking mat. And, I was, and nobody was happy. <laughs> nobody was fucking happy. Um, yeah, they're going to – I think it'd be good, man. I think if he lost a fight, an actual loss – I don't know how Alex can do it. I don't I don't think Alex has gotten better, good enough to win this, and Jones is still John Jones. And I'm one of the people who believes he didn't necessarily take Alex all that seriously the first time. But I think if Jones went out there and lost, it would actually be good. I believe that. Mark, do you disagree? Because I think it'd be no, I, 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 I think he kind of needs some humility in his life. Or humble pie, if you will. And he's, he's acting like he's, he's like, you saw it, it cleared me. They said I didn't do anything wrong. That's not what they fucking said. All right? You did this shit. An arbitrator just gave you less time than anybody should have fucking gotten for this. Yeah. Like, no, it, it's mainly I get a lot of this from the statements we heard about DC earlier. And then the thing that uh, Mike mentioned that he saw that I also saw, which was, I mean, if you didn't see it, they had a little stare down at this, you know, press uh, press conference. They were building up their fight. They had a little stare down. That was fine. And then after you do the stare down, you kind of just look blankly in front of you for a while. So they take some more pictures. And then John Jones does this thing where he kind of has to half step in front of Alex and Alex is like, what the hell is this shit? So he kind of gets in front of him and steps in front of him like, oh, we're playing a little game now. And then Jones pushes him and it's like, what, he's, what are he you said, doing? He said, he's, he, said, um, he said, I was trying to build some hype for the fight. I'm like, man, it's the, best light, it's the best light heavyweight fight ever. We're doing it again. And we're, the, hype, the hype really is, is that you're the most talented fighter we might have seen ever in our entire lives. And we just want to see you one perform and not fuck up your life. We've seen you perform. We haven't seen you not fuck up your life on the outside. We want to see if you can get those two worlds to finally mesh. I'm very skeptical. Well, you know, you know what it is. Also, this he thinks he's just like he's like I'm gonna come back the way same way I did last time after I got suspended. Here's the thing: I didn't do it, and they cleared me. That bullshit excuse that worked once, but you literally did it again. It's not, we're not just all gonna be like kumbaya about this shit and be okay with it all, man. Like it's. Not how this works. I don't care about the cheating. It's not about the cheating. You fucked up yourself. It was. And we're not going to say like, oh, well, the tainted supplement took a year away from his career. Fine. It was a tainted supplement this time too. You you managed to do it twice. All right. Yeah. You managed to do it twice. Responsibility. It's really just him not taking responsibility for his actions, which is just a very immature thing to do, and that's not surprising coming from this guy. But I, I think you can also just look at. Um, you know, he says he's going to come back just like he did last time. Well, his, his fight coming back was against OSP, and it took him five rounds to get that done. And we've seen OSP fight other guys and not other guys who have been able to handle him much steadily. And you'd think John Jones would too. So, I mean, you can throw that as a as a question mark into their next fight. Is John Jones going to come looking the same way he did against OSP, which was somewhat lackluster in a lot of our opinions, against Gustafson? And is that going to be enough for Gustafson to be able to take that fight? You know, we'll have to find out when they when they actually get in the cage. But something to think about leading up to that fight. Man, if it's, Mike, if by some equation in the same night, Cyborg loses to Nunez and Jones loses to Gustafson. Woo! One of those would be huge. Two of them, though, in one night. That'd be cool as hell. I don't know. You think it'd be that huge a thing if uh, Nunez beat Cyborg? I don't think so. No one's beat her. Yeah, that'd be pretty huge, Mike. It's not that no one's beaten Cyborg. I I wouldn't wouldn't think it's, oh my God, it's such a big thing. Nunez is a killer. Mike, the version of Cyborg losing to Nunez in your head, imagine how that goes down. That is Cyborg on her back unconscious. 
<laughs> All right, that's the, that's how that happens. Okay. I mean, just, hey, we've seen Cyborg knocked out before. I mean, granted, it was in kickboxing. She but was. You've seen it. That's yeah. That's a that was the best female kickboxer in the world. Knocked her out. <laughs> it would be pretty impressive. That would, would be that would be more impressive. That would blow my mind more than Gus winning. I think so too. <laughs> I I almost saw Gus win the last time. He won two two yeah, and like he almost. Just, but you just said you're in the camp that John like went into the match with a bender. I don't care. That's the thing. I'm saying this one. If I would still be, I'd be way more impressed if Nunes pulled this off. I really would like Cyborg to lose. I don't know if she's if she sucks or her management, but I need the set once her Twitter account or her boyfriend, whoever it was, said they were going to call immigration on Megan Anderson because they thought she had a green card marriage. That's when I was done. All right. So uh, I want to. I, this, I, they should call UFC two thirty two. Bobby hopes a big fucking slice of humble pie served up. Look, All right, man, that's what I want. It, there's rules to this shit, and there's certain codes that everyone should follow. And particularly, immigrants should not be trying to dime out other immigrants. Yeah, not cool. Anyway. Not cool. Um. Anyway, um, there were other fights. Mike, Chris Weidman, and Leo and uh, Jacare Souza. They both decided just to kind of stand in front of each other. And uh, Chris Weidman looked like he was he won the first round. I think he still won the second. Marcus and I were talking about it. We thought he did too. Third round, Jacare just kind of was content. I'm going to stand in front of him until one of these get through big and hit him with the right hand kind of on the top of the head, close to the temple, and uh, yeah, my really man was weird. out. It was a really weird knockout. Yeah, I thought that Weidman won the first two rounds as well. It looked like to me he was just gonna cruise to a you know a whole hum decision victory, but yeah, then Jacare uncorked like a weird, a weird like was it like a right hook right on the temple or like right above the, the eyebrow ridge? Yeah, and uh, he put him down, and Dan Merglian clearly didn't have a good look at it, but like Chris Weidman, Marcus was looking at you know the one banner the Knicks have up up on the hanging in the rafters. So he was up looking at the star at the at the lights there. And Jacare really didn't want to hit him again. But uh did Tan Dan didn't see it, huh? <laughs> it was just it, it was a very awkward moment. I mean obviously the fighters can't call off the fights themselves. I mean some of them do. Jacare clearly, you know, when he dropped Chris Weidman could see in his eyes as we could watching it that like Chris was out of it and he just kind of stood there and was looking at Dan like this guy's done. And Dan was like, mm, not to me. He's still kind of grabbing your legs. So then, you know, Jacare had to hammer fist him a few times. And then Dan's like, okay, yeah, this guy's not doing anything. It was just a really awkward moment. Um, to, to get back to the to the fight, I think what's really an interesting kind of subplot throughout that fight, it was really, it was a battle of uh, uh, attrition in this fight. And I, I think Mike uh, saying that Chris was on his way to a home-home victory is not really, and I think he even knows like, that's not giving credit to the fucking battle we saw in that fight. Oh, that was the best fight we've seen in a few months, I think. It was a war. At least. And yeah. something that we've seen Weidman put out before. When he fought Lyoto, it was very much like this fight where this guy is just going at it. And uh, this was very much a fight about stamina and just a lot of heart. And what we saw was it definitely looked like Souza was getting more tired. He looked a little bit more sloppy, right? Kind of getting a little bit more loose. But what ultimately led to that punch, Bobby, and that knockout was Weidman getting tired. And I think a lot of it was to do with Suk, uh, uh, 
or Ronaldo Souza going to that liver shot over and over again. I think that really dragged Weidman down in that late round. And because, I mean, it, the plan with uh, Souza wasn't, you know, Bobby saw it. We all saw it. It was big overhand rights. That was going to be his money shot to, to finish it. And Weidman had it scouted throughout the whole fight. It's just that last one, dude was too hurt, too tired to get that hand up, and he paid for it big. Um, it was a big win for uh, Souza, but it was a really good performance by Weidman, too. It definitely a fight where neither guy really lost much stock. I really like these fights where we get when, like, there's two guys who are just elite, and they're just throwing down, man, and they're throwing good technique, you know, really, they're throwing good, good, it's not just some sloppy brawl, like, they're throwing down with, like, Weidman hit that elbow of his, he almost hit him with the Munoz elbow, because if, if Jacare had leaned in, he would have got hit Munoz style, but he got him with that standing elbow, they were throwing good shots, both, and it's just like, it was a matchup where, like, Weidman's an incredible wrestler, but he, like, and he's a very good grappler. Like, Weidman's a wonderful, wonderful grappler, but he knew, he's like, I'm not going to go to the ground with the with fucking Jacare. Like, so, like, Jacare was, like, comfortably able to throw, knowing this guy's not taking me down. They just stood in front of each other, throwing good strikes, and it was just elite MMA. Like, just throwing hands. Like, I was so, I, I loved the fight. I loved it. Jacare got a big win here. Um, wants a title shot next. See how that goes. He lost to both guys in the current, in the next fight for the belt. At 185, um, both uh, Bobby Knuckles and um, guys, help me out. Uh, Calvin Gastelum. Calvin Gastelum. Gastelum. I, I forgot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, we gotta go. We gotta move on. But uh, Weidman, man, can't get a can't get a W in New York, Mike. And not just they can't get a W. Unconscious both times. <laughs> Uh, maybe he just wasn't destined to fight in uh, in his home state. And uh, yeah, I still think the fight was ho hum. You know, not impressed. you. You really thought? Did you? Were you paying attention? This was like, this was easily the best fight in months. I was also a few beers in, so. Okay, um, yeah, I'm trying to see if he got a win at any point. He fought. He got. He lost in Buffalo. You know, he got Gasolum in Uniondale. At least he got that win. He got one win in there. <laughs> um, all right. Um, Jared Cannonier, David Branch, Marcus. I think just Jared Cannonier came in. He used to fight at heavyweight, I guess, apparently. He's fighting down at 185 now. He looked shredded. Just absolutely shredded. And went out there and took care of business against an incredibly tough veteran. Really big win for him. A huge underdog, too. Yeah, I really think this put him on the map. And another guy we're going to talk about, Israel... Um had another fantastic fight. And uh, earlier today, we were talking about matchups with uh, Israel. And I think this this guy might kind of fit the bill, too. I, I think that'd be a really – Jared and Israel would be a really interesting matchup of two guys kind of coming up in middleweight. Um, yeah, I didn't really recognize Jared going into this fight as a heavyweight guy that had slowly been moving down weight classes trying to find that. He's talking about 170 today, Marcus. That's like that's, what the fuck? How was he? <laughs> I mean, we've seen it before because you look at a guy like uh, Joe Riggs who – Fought at heavyweight. He was a very sloppy kind of heavyweight. You know, he had a lot of extra poundage, poundage, poundage on him. But he also went down to 170. It's not completely unheard of, but he looked good at middleweight. I don't know why he's talking about welterweight. Let's see how the cards lay out here. David Branch was a tough test for him, and he came out with flying colors. So I think his stock is risen. Five, five foot eleven. He's five foot eleven. There's Weidman. I mean, uh, at 170. I mean, Woodley's five nine at 170. Everybody seems to be taller than him, though. Still. Um, we honestly, I was not paying attention during uh, that other fight, Roberson and Marshman. 
Yeah. Um, the beginning, good, the but... beginning, Roberson looked good. Roberson looked pretty good at the beginning. His hands looked good. Then people stopped paying attention. Okay, Israel Adesanya put on the best performance of the night. Um, and uh, it looked like he was playing chess and Derek Brunson was playing checkers. Um, people comparing it to what Anderson Silva did to Chris Lieben, which it took Anderson Silva like a minute. Um, in fairness, he, Derek Brunson was shooting on Israel Adesanya. Um, Marcus, um, he's legit as legit. Like, we, he's... Let's see him do. Let's see it. Like, let's see. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's, uh, let's see what he got. I mean, because, yeah. I mean, Derek Brunson's a really good wrestler. Like, he's not a national champion or some shit, but, like, I'm trying to find out how many. I'm dragging this out to see how many fucking takedowns he stuffed on him. Because he. It was 13. No, wait. That seems I'm, like. No, no, that's how many. <laughs> wait. Okay. Give me a second. I'm trying to figure out how many fucking takedowns this guy shot on. on. Marcus, you talk about the fight while I do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think, that, you know, we've gotten a good picture of Israel at this point in his career. Obviously, this Brunston fight was the best he's looked so far in the octagon. He he looked masterful in there. He was able to quickly nullify the takedown attempts from uh, Derek. And, and Derek kind of seemed like he was a man without a plan out there. And we've seen Brunson have some fights where he's looked a little, a little too loose because we see him have success in two different avenues, either wrestling guys, taking them down, controlling them, getting decisions or just kind of wildly flaring at him with uh, with haymakers. And we knew going into this fight, if he came out with that strategy against Israel, it was going to be a rough night for him. And once the the takedowns weren't materializing him, he didn't have much of a backup plan uh, to, to handle uh, Israel. And he was able to just pick him apart. And, and like you said, uh, very reminiscent of the uh, Lieben-Anderson uh, fight. Obviously, Anderson, that, that fight was a lot shorter. This one went, you know, late into the first. But it was just, it was a beating. And you have to give uh, Derek a lot of credit. Dude has a solid chin. He was taking hard knees, kick, high kicks, uh, followed by uh, right straights right after dropping him. Kept getting it back up. And even when the fight eventually ended, he wasn't clearly knocked out, right? He wasn't out cold. He was just taking a, a beating. And uh, so you have to give him some credit with a tough chin there. But this was easily um, Israel looking at his best. Uh, but like, like I was saying, Bob, we, we've seen him struggle in other fights. And now we've seen him just look masterful. So we know that we've seen a realistic picture of this guy. You know, he's not. I mean, the progression, though. Like yeah, He's getting a lot better. He's getting a lot better. He's what getting, that was the name of the guy, Marcus, that he couldn't. The guy was taking him down in the third round after he won the first two. I think it, it was, was like some. Marvin like the guy Vittori. was just like some like Italian dude who's like not much like wasn't even that good of a wrestler. Like he didn't know what to do. And since that time, Izzy's just really like his takedown defense. I mean, the Brad Tavares beatdown was impressive as hell because Brad is so tough. And he put a 25-minute ass whooping on him. But this one, there was not even like he wasn't on his level at all. I was I was in awe of that shit, man. I watched it back. I was so good. I mean, Mike, were you able to see any of the highlights of this dude do his business? <laughs> I haven't had a chance to yet, but I've heard a lot of uh superlatives being said about Israel in the last couple days. And he's got charisma for goddamn days, man. I was watch I was listening to I was watching an interview. He was uh, him and Cormier both went to Complex, um, the uh, like a, before the fight, and uh, I forgot the name. I think it's called Life at Complex. But like Cormier talked to the guy, but then so did Izzy, and he's just a really interesting guy, and he's funny and he's engaging. He's gonna be a massive, massive deal. I think. I think he's champion in this way class inside of by the end of twenty nine by the end of twenty nineteen. He's definitely fighting for the belt, if not champion. 
Yeah, you know, I thought at first when he first came on the scene and he made that, like, I think, like, uh, I just pissed all over. The he still does it. <laughs> I was like, ah, that seems that felt a little forced. But yeah, I mean, since then, he's really impressed me with, you know, in, in the ring, all his improvements and on the mic, you know, especially uh, his appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast that really uh, sent me to, to, to liking him as an individual and i saw his post fight uh press conference as well and uh he speaks very very easily he's very natural at, at the microphone which isn't something that you see very often in the ufc he just it was so interesting he was talking about how part of the reason he came to mma was he wanted to be known as a as a as the best fighter and if there's no ground game he can't claim that and he wants to t- wanted to test himself against you know grappling as well in there, which I don't know. I was so impressed with him. Um, real quick, Mike um, Sajara Eubanks miss weight, and I then won. And then um, how the fuck do you do that? Like how after all this shit does she miss weight like that? And then she her tried. reaction, she literally just did the shrug emoji. Like what? Like what the fuck is wrong with you? She popped all that bullshit about like, oh, I'm angry at the UFC for taking my title shot, and it's like, and then you fucking miss weight by if we're gonna count it by championship weight because that's what she was griping about. She missed it by two and a half pounds. Yeah, she should have. Oh my god! Again, and like, and like, um, make so. Uh, and then, um, I mean, Ben Askren, Marcus had the joke of the week, if you ask me, where. Because he, he, he says Sajara Eubanks is not a professional and she needs to take this shit seriously and all that. And then she's tried to clap back at him. And then Ben Askren said, I'm willing to fight every welterweight in the UFC except Sajara Eubanks. Which, not... Welcome to the UFC, Funky Ben. Welcome nice. to the UFC. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one of my things with Eubanks, I didn't see a lot of the commotion before, but I saw something after where she made some comment where it was like, like whatever, like you're still gonna come to to like watch me fight anyways. And it's like we're really not. Like we really don't have that. I mean, at least for me, right? Like I don't have that familiarity or fandom for Eubanks's fights. Where I'm like, I'm just gonna be submissive of her missing weight and be like, oh, I don't care. I just want to see this because she's the best and most exciting fighter. I, just, Six I don't fights. have that experience with her. She looked good in this fight, but you have to make weight. And especially with all the stuff that's happened to her, you know, about, you know, kind of getting screwed out of the title shot or whatever, um, you know, this is your chance to make weight and show that you're ready for this shit. And you didn't do it. So you can't really talk much after and she's still talking. So six pro fights, six pro fucking fights. And nobody knows who she is. The egos. I I, I thought honestly, I told you, I thought she was fighting for her job. I thought she had to win. This is starting to get ridiculous, I think, this year when it comes to uh, people missing weight. I, I don't know exactly what the percentage is, but I know it's a pretty good percentage of the people this year in the UFC who have missed weight and won. Um, and Roxanne Every, Montefiore, all but All but is everybody except Yoel Romero and um, Molly something. Missed no Molly something. The, the, she was an Irish chick, um, a chick. Apologize, woman. Um, but she was either Irish or Scottish. But she fought a couple months ago. There was it's pretty much like they're like fifteen and two. Mike, you're good point. Well, there's there's something to that. Perhaps twenty percent of the purse isn't enough of a punishment 
for these people either to really take this seriously when it comes to their diet and their weight cut or not fight in that division. I don't think 20% is enough at this point. And Roxanne Modafferi, take it for what it is. She did just get those hands put on her. But the next day, she did put a, a, a tweet saying that, you know, in Japan and I think in some other promotions, what they do when you miss weight is that you are penalized the point just right at the beginning of the fight. I... I don't know. I think I think that's a pretty what, good incentive to make someone. Yeah, wouldn't have not changed this weight. particular case, right? But yeah, no, I, I, agree. That I, I agree, Mike. Whether it's more, I think maybe more cut of the purse. Maybe rock. I got an idea. Good one too. This is what happens if you miss weight. Uh, you if you win the fight, you don't get the win bonus. If you, wait, wait, wait. I shouldn't let you talk over because I was just about to say that exact same. Wait, wait, I gotta go. I have a great idea. Don't Mark finish his idea. You know what? Go ahead. You fit it. Go ahead. I I had more. I had bonus, and Eubanks doesn't get anything except the show money, and maybe even twenty percent off of that too. That's what I was gonna say. If you lose, you so you still have to try to win. Okay, if you win the fight after missing weight, you you get to keep your entire show money, right? Your win money is gone, all right? Either way, your win money is gone to the opponent, okay? But if you lose the fight after missing weight, you also lose another 20% there. Sure, sure. I think, I think that that's not a bad idea. I think that, and I think, Mike, that I kind of agree with you. I think a lot of times when they're kind of weighing the pros and cons of like, I have to lose two more pounds right now and I am fucking starving and I feel like I'm going to die. I can maybe give up 10 grand because I'm going to feel better and I'm going to perform better if I do yeah i'll do that i'll do that and they do it and it turns out to to work in their favor they get that win bonus the 20 percent is still a, a good chunk of the pie but they have a win now and like we so often talk about come a year from now and when, we, when we're looking through their record we might not see the little asterisk on the side saying missed weight had to do catch weight we'll just see another w in the column so and um, you know i think one way this could have affected this fight is you never know maybe if sajara had had to deplete herself even more to get though that extra pound and a half off maybe she gasses in the second round maybe Rox roxanne can make a comeback there maybe roxanne just has to weather the storm for a round hey man happy with kevin lee because eubanks is so depleted from the extra weight cut maybe roxanne has a chance you, know, you you never know. And then, man, you watch look at Kevin Lee, who pretty much you know you, you watch his fight against Tony, where he almost died making weight, and he was done after one round in terms of energy. I know he's fighting Tony Ferguson, but have you ever had the Kevin Lee fight? He at least wasn't dead by the second round. I don't know. We gotta we're, we're like forty five minutes in. We gotta get going here. Um, Lyman Gerd murdered Ben Saunders, like just straight wrecked his shit. Um, and Lando Venata out here getting draws like it's nobody's business. Kind of cool. Um, Wait, say draws like yeah underwear? draws no draws Mike in a competitive setting draw oh. um, performance of the night Jared Cannonier Israel Adesanya fight of the night apparently ho hum but Ronaldo Souza versus Chris Weidman um, okay um, I'm gonna need Floyd Mayweather to leave us alone like come on man I, I need more Floyd. Okay, yeah, Floyd I mean, Mayweather. About? This dude drops a bomb right before our podcast. Okay, yeah. No, I, I, Floyd Mayweather is going to face the best kickboxer in Japan, 20-year-old uh, Tenshin Nasakawa, on December 31st at Saitama. We don't know how Floyd's getting paid. We don't know the rules. We Yo, don't know anything. I'm calling it right now. The rules in this fight, there's going to be there's gonna be no takedowns. 
Huh? No grappling for more than like 15 seconds at a time. Mm-hmm. No kicks below the waist. All right. Straight up, this is what I got. First round kickboxing, second round. First round boxing, second round kickboxing, no clinching. That's my guess. I don't think it's happening. Let's put that out there. Mark thinks this is happening. I don't. That was our conversation this morning. I don't think this fight fucking happens. Mark, what do you got? <laughs> uh, I mean, I do. Reading some more about it, I can kind of see where some, there's some hesitation because there's there is a lot of just we don't know a lot about the, this fight they're having, especially what the rules are, which I think is extremely important in this type of fight. Even when Connor was uh, going to fight Floyd, there was all these last minute like, oh, we're going to use these gloves or that gloves. And uh, I think what's so interesting about this whole thing is, I, and I, I do feel like this fight will come to fruition. I don't know why they would do a big press conference just to get people jazzed up to just let them down. But I think, Bobby, a lot of the questions you raised were the same ones I had this morning. Like, how are they paying for this? Because this dude is worth multi-millions. And not only that, how are they going to pay for it? Is like, how are they paying for him now? How do they think this event is going to garner them the money to get this ship to keep going i honestly don't know um and when it comes to the rule sets i have no idea uh when because he he posted a picture on twitter right and he was wearing gloves did you guys real did you guys notice one glove's a boxing glove and like a small boxing glove at that and the other one's a grappling one i'm hoping we're going jimerson we're going jimerson we're going jimerson style (laughs) i don't know why but but yeah i mean this is it's really weird because I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, man, I don't know in like a million, if I had a million guesses, if I ever would have guessed this would happen. At the same time, like, no, 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 no. In a million guesses, this kind of make logical sense because when you think about it, Floyd has talked about dipping his foot into MMA or fighting Habib or whatever, but Ryzen is kind of the only organization that does these hybrid type of fights often. UFC doesn't. UFC has never done a fight where it's not just a full-on MMA fight. But Ryzen has done it multiple times. And in Japan, it's not that big a deal to have something like Bobby said, maybe around boxing and then other rounds kickboxing. Maybe there's really weird special rules. I mean, go back to the 70s. This was Ali Inoki, right, where there was all these weird fucking rules. It was a horrible fight. But there's some precedence for this in the Japan landscape. And I think it's fascinating. I think it's really intriguing. I'm super interested to see this fight. Um, I think it's a smart move that Ryzen was able to pull this off. And I have to think, Bobby, another factor in this and one of the things that floyd says that like he has like a bunch of fighters that are going to be in in rising like this is a partnership and maybe that partnership is worth you know the millions of dollars he won't be making on this fight itself because he's going to have a hand in the cookie jar he's going to have other of it more of his fighters going over there i, I really don't know it's very they, they don't even they don't even have a pay-per-view distribution stream yet they don't, and that—that's just like I don't. How I mean, are okay, they making the money. Well, I, I mean, okay, let, I mean, like by the way, shout out to Josh Gross, Ali versus Anoki, fucking excellent book. Um, really nice, also for him to respond to me when I told him how much I like his book. That's how you get people to respond to you on Twitter. You say very nice thing about their work. Second thing, you know what else? Japan's really good at um, fixed fights, and true, I would, I, I know, but here's the thing: he's too good. I'm talking about tension. He's too good and too legit. And this isn't fucking, you know, some random dude. So that's the only reason I don't think that's a possibility. But I, because some people brought it up, like, this dude's about to go take a die for Floyd in an MMA fight. I, I just, I think that it's very true. Back in the day, there was lots of fixed fights. I don't know if it's still so much of a thing. Because I don't see a lot of Ryzen fights and think, like, because look, at the, the fixed fights I've seen, you kind of can tell they're not legit. Mm. When you look at Mark Coleman versus Tanaka, like, 
Mark Coleman's not punching this dude at all. That's kind of weird. He's just going for key locks and shit. This isn't really this dude's MO. Something's fishy. Or when Ken Shamrock lands a fucking Northern Light suplex, jumps over into Kimura. It's like, that shit's a little fishy. I don't know if we're going to see that. I-, I would be surprised if it was just like... Yeah, I mean, like, this is also... puts his hands down and just gets clipped. It's just like, that's not going to read. And, it, and, it, and if this isn't MMA fighting, it gets taken out and choked. Like, maybe it's a fix, but I'm going to... Th- feel like it's legit because this dude's never grappled before that i've ever seen so i don't know i mean it's, it's, i mean it's possible yeah. but i don't know i don't know why floyd would put his reputation and his eagle out there just to get squashed and it fixed no no, no. other other way uh, other way oh you think, think you think floyd's gonna take this kid down and choke him out? <laughs> no no no. i think i think i think if there was a fix it'd be this kid the japanese could go in down look uh, this maybe. is what i think happened i think floyd uh is just putting his name out there Maybe the Japanese people think he's serious. Maybe they don't. But you know what? They know that they got articles on BBC that say Ryzen now. That's, That's true. They That's had true. literally nothing to lose. Regardless, of, there's nothing on paper. There's no contracts. They became Mike. People know who Ryzen is. It's on this, the front page of ESPN today, today. Today was the first time I heard Ryzen, uh, Ryzen on ESPN. Yeah. Look, I mean, look, literally, this is how I woke up because between daylight savings time and me having fucked up sleep, I'm awake at 4.30 looking at my phone like, this can't be real. Like I, mean, I was right there on you on the shitter, like looking like, oh, what's this? I was looking on YouTube and it was like Floyd and Ryzen on ESPN video three hours ago. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> and I look it up, I'm like, well, that's some fucking news yeah. I could not have dreamed of. Or am I still dreaming? You know what? I'm ha- Mark, you made a good point. At least it came out today it came out today and not on Tuesday. So we at least you can talk about it. I, talk yeah. about. I will say I thought something was up with Floyd. I thought he had some type of business venture in Japan because over the last month or two or three months, he's posted a lot of Instagram videos from Tokyo. And I thought, why is he in Tokyo all the time? Like, he was also hanging out with he was also hanging out with uh, Erdogan, the, uh, the the dictator Habib's buddies with. Nice. Maybe he's maybe he's paying for it. Um, by the way, uh, as we, before we move on. Um, all you people out there were happy that Conor McGregor wasn't going to be champion because we're going to have a sportsman named Khabib as our champion. Motherfucker wants $50 million to fight, except one of those two people deserve $50 million to fight, and it's not Khabib. So yeah, we just got the same thing again, except this one's friends with dictators. So everybody happy. We got a sportsman who's he's here for the honor, right? That's why that's why he was so offended by all this. He's here for honor. It's not for a paycheck. Anyway, I'm not happy today, people, if it's not clear. <laughs> it's been an angry podcast. Um, real quick, let's do some MMA history because somehow this podcast is as long as it is with three people. Um, November 2nd, 2001, um, Marcus, uh, BJ Penn went out there and knocked Kakaluno out so bad. The guy went cross-eyed for a moment, it looked like. (laughs) Yeah, that was probably, I think that was, that might've been the first time I saw BJ Penn. It was like, I, I don't know if I actually saw that fight or if it was just a highlight, but Carl Uno ran at him did a big flying kicked and then next thing you know there's like three punches land and he's out cold yeah looking cross-eyed uh leg yeah. bent all the wrong way bj left and bj was walking up the ramp by the time the fight was over i believe mike i showed that to you because i mean you started becoming a fan i'm like this is why i love bj penn i think you couldn't stop laughing at this dude's cross eye at the end also if i remember correctly if I'm right, that was BJ Penn still with a good set of lettuce on his head, right? Oh, yeah. BJ Penn yep. fighting the battle. Just put him against the cage. Punch, punch, punch. Fight over. Speaking of people calling off their fights, BJ's really good at that. <laughs> BJ will call off a fight when he's done. When his opponent's done, when he's done, BJ knows when it's time to go home. 
Um, Marcus, October 31st, 2004, Vanderlei Silva need Quentin Jackson through the goddamn ropes. Their second it's, fight. It's just funny because, like, it just seems like a month ago we were talking about the first time Vanderlei knocked out uh, Rampage with knees. And then when you when I saw the post, like, Vanderlei beats Rampage with knees, I was like, didn't we talk about this already? But there was a couple occasions. Oh, uh, yeah, this was the rematch, and it was a fantastic fight. I mean, obviously, the end result was Vanderlei scoring these brutal fucking tie knees so badly that basically Rampage is knocked unconscious, falls headfirst. The second to bottom rope catches his unconscious body as blood just starts dripping onto the mat. It was a pretty gruesome scene, um, but a fantastic, awesome fight. Um, and even this uh, fourth one they had, this is just why we get so excited for these guys matching up. Like these guys could fight literally 10, 20 times, and each time it's just going to be a barn burner. Well, one guy's asleep fight. when it's over. Every <laughs> it's time, one guy's every time. <laughs> well, except this last time, right? And that's one of the things I liked about them getting older is like, okay, at least someone didn't go fucking unconscious in this fight because at this age, don't really. Yeah, he went. He went down though. Like he went down. He, he was done. Down. He was hurt. He was not. It was not good. But at least he was still conscious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Mike, this is an MMA, but people need to know. October thirtieth, nineteen seventy four, in Kinshasa, Zaire, the Rumble in the Jungle. Muhammad Ali came back took the belt off George Foreman in one of the most masterful strategic performances of any boxer's career. Not MMA, but it is a combat sport. And my the most famous quote that I like about Muhammad Ali was, uh, if a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali, my God, it should call him Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Um, if those of you who haven't seen this fight itself, try to find it. You can find it online real easy. If you've seen the movie Ali, which was okay, they made it seem like like people didn't really like Ali's just getting beat up here. And all of a sudden, he decided the rope-a-dope thing. Like, no, motherfuckers knew what he was doing. Like, it was clear what he was doing. And he just, George didn't know what to make of it. And later in the fight, he just whooped that ass. George right. Foreman talks about how, how he never got his ass whooped away. Muhammad Ali whooped his ass. Like, he still talks about it, man. It was incredible. And if um, you've seen uh, Coming to America, you should see it again. Yes, you should see Coming to America. It's Did important. Mama call him Clay? I'm Mama call him, call him Clay. Um, Marcus, 20 questions. If this is hard, this podcast is going to be two hours long. Oh <laughs> <laughs> it could be hard. Uh, the boys, last time, were not able to successfully guess. Yeah, I fucked that up. Jeez, I'm trying to remember. Um, God, who was it? Why am I blanking on Alexis, it Alexis, Alexis Davis. Alexis Davis, which was a tough one. Uh, admittedly, I knew that was going to be a little tricky, but uh, we got another one that's going to be. Right. Yo, I got a new inventive way to save on a question. Oh, here we is go. This, is this a white man? In in this case, this is a white man. Oh, Mike, Mike, it could have been a black man, a black woman, a Brazilian man, a Brazilian. You didn't eliminate shit. No, he, uh, he eliminated all those, Bobby. He got he lucky this right. time. If he said no, that was a blind guess, bitch. To be um, fair, white male is probably like, what, 85% of the landscape of MMA. I think, I think, I think, if you, I think between white male and Brazilian male, that's... Okay, that's yeah. 85%. But we're looking at a white male. That's one question down in the playing field. Is this person an active fighter? Uh, they are not an active fighter. So we're looking are at they over the fighter. age of 40? Okay, well, I got to check. <laughs> uh, yes, they're over 40 years old. This person held a championship in the UFC before? Uh, no. Has he been a champion in another promotion? Um, we usually state 
the major promotions. So we're looking at UFC, Bellator, Strike Force, WEC. He has not. Pride. Well, pride too has not. Well, and that's right, five. Um, has he fought in the UFC after UFC 100? Uh, let me check. Uh, they did not. They did not fight in the UFC after UFC 100. Unless Mark's a really good actor, that means he at least fought in the UFC. Um, did he fight? Okay, if he hasn't, did he? F- Wait, he's. You said he hasn't fought in the UFC after UFC 100. He correct. All right, so that means we got to eliminate some weight classes already. Uh, 135, 145, 25, uh, 125. Honestly, 115. Okay. Did this person fight at 185 pounds or higher? Uh, yes. Okay. So we're down to middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight. Okay. And it's a white dude who was not champion in the UFC or in any other promotion. So it's not the guy behind you on your TV. It's not Bobby, Bobby Lashley. Lashley. No, it's not it's Bobby not Lashley. <laughs> Bobby Lashley would be literally the opposite of a, a white man. <laughs> Touche. What do we got, guys? Mike? Think it's your question. Uh, I'm going to pass this one to you. I got nothing right now. This person fight at heavyweight? Um, They have fought at heavyweight. Was their prime? When I say have, they Okay. All right. That means okay, so I did, think that means his primary was not heavyweight. So I think that, I think this sounds like a guy who fought at like two hundred five, two at two at two sixty five, a little bit back and forth. And he said he this guy hasn't fought. Uh, he hasn't fought in the UFC since the UFC one hundred, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So that rules out stuff. Uh, Wait, I got a good one. Has he has Bonner? Has this person fought for a UFC title? Um. Let me check uh yes they have fought for a ufc title before all right this person fought at for either the okay but he's fought for a ufc title before ufc 100 guess what guess what weight class mike let's do that i'm I'm assuming it's light heavyweight because the way he said well he's fought at heavyweight i'm assuming it's not a well this is how many questions are we at we are at nine right now so almost this person this person fight for a ufc championship at 205 pounds uh they did all right. And that's 10. All right. And it's a white guy. And it's um, a white guy. I think I know who it is. Man, my, my pre-UFC 100 knowledge isn't I think very I know, good. I think I know who this is. Um, this person have... I don't know. How do I ask who, if this is Jeremy Horn without just asking if it's Jeremy Horn? Um, <laughs> this person trained with Matt Hughes? Uh yeah, they have. <laughs> this I person this person got a win over Chuck Liddell. They do. And this person Jeremy Horn. This person is Jeremy Horn. I you call me impressed, Bob. I am so impressed that you remember he fought. See, this is the thing. I did I I the, the one thing I can do with the old ones is roughly know who fought the, who fought for the belt. So if you said no to that question, I was gonna have a real fucking problem just naming dudes. But I kinda know the two hundred and five pound who Chuck ran through and who Randy ran through and all that shit. That's the only hope. That was the hope. Still impressive. Very impressed. Uh, Yeah, so it is Jeremy Horn, uh, a longtime journeyman of uh, MMA. Uh, 100 fights, probably. Over 100 fights. He has 91 wins, 22 losses, five draws, one no contest. He started all the way back in 96 at the Atlanta fights. Um, Yeah, and has pretty much fought everybody. I mean, 
the scalps he has on his resume are is pretty extensive, and there's some big names on there. Obviously, Bobby mentioned he got a win over Chuck Liddell early at UFC 19. Um, he also beat the likes of I'm trying to find someone actually fucking impressive. Here. There's a lot of guys he Forrest? lost to that are. Did he beat Forrest or did he lose to Forrest? I don't. I thought he, no, I thought he if, beat. I think he might have beat Forrest, and that one there was one uh, big tournament. I don't see he beat, he yeah, beat Jason. He knocked he beat him J- out with a head kick, and then he he fought Babalu, and that was in the IFC Global Domination, which was a fucking fantastic tournament back. He, then. he got he's got Court McGee on his on his record. He's got Chael on his record. He's got Jason Guida on his record. He's got Josh Berkman on his record. He's got Chael again on his record. He's got David Loazzo. Yeah, he's got Dean Lister. For he did get Forrest. He got your favorite Vernon Tiger White. Yep. Uh, he got some people, man. These are Travis Fulton's got seven hundred fights. It's surprising they only fought once here. No, 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 Bobby, scroll down. <laughs> oh, they keep going. Uh, he got Shoji. He got Akira. He got Akira Shoji uh, on his on his, oh, on his Hall of Famer. He no, got no. he got it's an amazing Hall of Famer there. You gotta get got, you gotta get down way towards the bottom. He Not got only, Gilbert. He got Gilbert Ivel. God, Gilbert Ivel. Remember when he just hit that fucking referee? It was great. Uh, not <laughs> only did he fight Travis Fulton more than once, they fought three times, Bobby. And there's two draws in there. <laughs> uh, God, I like looking at Jeremy Horde's record. It's like an MMA yeah, history it, book. Yeah, he was all over the place fighting in any organization that would have him. Um, just really. A, a, he drew a with Dan team. Severin. Yeah. No, I mean, dude's just one of the greats. I, I think back in the day, it was a lot of if you go 20 minutes, we don't. Have yeah. Judges, to be clear, so. if, so if I could find a way to watch him and Dan Severin snooze us up for a little bit for 20 minutes. In Extreme Challenge 7. I'm in to watch that. I'm going to have to go on YouTube later and see if I can find that. Yeah. That's how I'm going to bed tonight. I'm going to put that on. I'm going to put the Travis Fulton draws in the playlist. Oh, too. That, that'll sneak it, it right it out. It gives me about 55 minutes of <laughs> draws. Um, Travis, But Jeremy Horn taught Matt Hughes how to grapple. And that was pretty useful. I'm yeah. in submission grappling. Um, all right. Let's make some picks. Um, do you guys think Fox Sports 1 show should just instead of writing UFC Fight Night... Korean Zombie versus Rodriguez. Do you think they should just write Zombie versus Panther and see if more people watch? Yo. I get the zombie part, but Panther. That's his nickname. Yeah, I, I get it, but I don't like El Pantera or is it Panther? It's El Pantera, but Mike, fuck it, man. We, if they just nah, if there's man. a TV show called You might as well lean into that shit. Zombie. Call Black Panther? Pantera. I was gonna say you call him just lying, call him Black Panther while you're at it too. <laughs> well, I mean, Aren't all Panthers black? That's what I'm saying. Might as well call him Black Panther, right? <laughs> Want people to watch this thing. Um, all right, let's make some picks for these fights. Mike's pleased to uh, track this thing. Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung. Um, we told Stefan we'd do him justice here. Mark, I'm going to let you babble about how much we love the Korean Zombie, which we've only done about... There's been 310 episodes. I think we've done it about 7,000 times anyway. Korean Zombie ain't fought in a long fucking time. Um, last fight we saw him in... I think is when he smoked um, Dennis Dennis Bermudez. Yeah, mm-hmm. his first fight back in four years almost. Now he hasn't fought in a uh, year and a half. Was supposed to take on Frankie Edgar. Fight I was actively excited for. This one might be even better. Taking on Yair Rodriguez, who hasn't fought since Frankie Edgar whooped his ass last May. Was gonna, got into a contract dispute with the UFC. They wanted him to fight Zabby. Then he got hurt. Then Zabby beat up some guy. Now, uh, Yair Rodriguez doing the UFC a solid, taking this fight on short notice at their 25th anniversary show. Uh, Zombies minus 135. Yair is plus 115. Stefan uh, picked um, Zombie. 
to the surprise of no one. Marcus, talk about how much you love the zombie and whether you're picking him in this one. Uh, you know, I am going with zombie. I mean, obviously, the, the big question mark is just like how much has this layoff affected him? Obviously, he was coming off a really long layoff before his last fight with Dennis. So there's been a lot of inactivity with Korean zombie. Um, we're a huge fan of him in this podcast. Uh, I mean, I think most people that watch his fights are a big fan of him because he just goes out there to bang. And, you know, he ends up eating a lot of shots, but he got the moniker of Korean zombie because he would just keep coming forward regardless of the firepower coming back his way. Um, I think Rodriguez, like like you mentioned, Bobby, I think this is a more attractive fight for me because I think Frankie Edgar was asking a lot for a guy who hasn't fought in a year to fight someone that isn't not only the like one of the top echelon fighters in the weight class, but someone who's also been really active to have Korean Zombie go in there after you know more of a year layoff to fight someone like that was a tall order. I think um, Rodriguez here makes a lot of sense. I think stylistically, it's going to be a really fun matchup. Um, I think standing, it's going to be a fucking war like it always is with Zombie. I think either one of these guys could get caught. Um, if it goes to the ground, though, I, I we've seen Korean Zombie. Obviously, one of his big claim to fame was getting that twister off of uh, Garcia. He's pretty slick on the ground, so I wouldn't be too surprised if we see it go that way, that Korean Zombie has some questions that maybe Rodriguez isn't ready to answer. But um, on paper, this looks like a, a fantastic fight. I'm hoping for a stand-up war. Five rounds just sounds awesome. You know, that's the cherry on top of this one. If this goes past three, we get two more rounds of these guys fighting. Um, I think there's a high probability of a lot of violence and potentially, you know, this easily could be fight of the year if these guys really go out there and show what they're made of. So I'm excited for it. I do think Korean Zombie is going to get the nod, but there's a lot of question marks going into this fight as well. Yeah, I got Zombie too. Um because I don't like Yair on the ground. It's it's not easy to get him there necessarily, but once he's down there, I think Zombie's got a distinct advantage. I wouldn't be surprised if Zombie got put down here, though, just because it's been done before, and Yair's such a dangerous striker. But I, I got to go with the Zombie here, uh, getting the job done here. Mike, what do you think? Uh, this is going to be a sweep. I think this is going to be a highly entertaining fight. It's not going to be a ho-hum fight like that Weidman fight, and I will be taking Zombie. When I'm, I'm going to put Weidman as one of the fight of the year candidates that fight, just so Mike can bring it up again that it's a ho-hum. <laughs> you um, wouldn't be wrong, Bobby. It was, it was so good! <laughs> um, I was We were just fucking just enthralled. Um, uh, Even uh, Alan, who came over, who's not really a big MMA fan, like halfway through, we're just talking. She's like, this is a really good fight, right? And we're like, no, you're right on this shit. Yeah, you picked it up. This is great. Um, Cowboy Cerrone, Mike Perry. Is that the co-main? All right. Now, Wikipedia it is. Cowboy Cerrone, Mike Perry. This should just be called Camp Drama, this fight. Um, long story short, Gazombie, uh, zombie. Cerrone's pissed Perry's in the camp. The camp is pissed Cerrone's never around. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Mike Perry is a minus 228 favorite. Donald Cerrone's plus 180 underdog. Stefan's taking Mike Perry. I'm taking Donald Cerrone because he seems angry. And angry Donald Cerrone I think is not going to go well. And Mike Perry doesn't exactly have fight IQ. I know he's at Jackson camp now. Maybe he picked up some of it. But he makes a lot of dumbass mistakes. And getting into a brawl with Donald Cerrone could be one of those mistakes. And I still got Donald when it gets into one of those crazy brawls. Mark, what do you think? Um, This is a really tough fight to pick. And I kind of need some information to assess. Do we know who's in whose corner in this one? Greg Jackson apparently is going to be in Cowboys corner. Mm, that does... Because one of the things I liked Perry going to Jackson, he looked better in his last fight against Paul Felder. He looked like a more intelligent fighter. And I think a lot of that had to do with his corner. We were really harsh on Mike Perry's cornerbacks when he when he fought Max Griffin. Um, 
I'm going to go with Mike Perry too. I think this is a really tough fight to call. And if, if they had all of Jackson behind Perry, I'd be even more willing to kind of give it to him. But I, I do disagree with you in one thing. I think if this becomes a firefight, Mike Perry is kind of made for that fight. And that's kind of what he needs to do here. I think Donald Cerrone is really at his best when guys aren't able to figure out the puzzle and are stuck on the outside eating jabs and kicks. And they're kind of just confused by the output that Cerrone has. I think if Mike Perry can turn this into a dogfight, he has a much better chance of landing that big punch on Donald, but still like it's going to be a, if, if, if the fight turns that way where they're getting in the pocket and throwing down, man, we have another barn burner on our hands and it's a tough fight to, to call, but I feel a little bit more comfortable with the growth we've seen with Mike Perry in his last fight that he might be able to do something here against Donald. But again, a really tough fight to call. Um, Mike. I'm going to go with Mike Perry in this one. Uh, Mike, Mike you're getting real. T- Mike, you're getting real. You're getting you're be real. T- we got to be real tactical. There's only so many cards left, and you and me are two games back from Stefan. You're not making a jump on Donald Cerrone's old ass, are you? <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I'm not going out on a limb going with Donald Cerrone, but I'm gonna go with Perry because Perry's not a very smart man, evidenced by his uh, Halloween costume from a few days ago, but. On top of that, he did look a lot better in his last fight. It looked like some of some of the teachings from Jackson Wink are starting to sink in. Um, yeah, Jackson's going to be in Cerrone's corner, but all of Cerrone's training partners that he's had for over a decade have been training with Mike Perry. Man, now, Cerrone hasn't been in Albuquerque in like five years. Yeah, but <laughs> it's not like he's changed very much. As Lando left too. Lando. Years. Lando left over this also. That thing, by the way, what does criticisms Donald Cerrone has of that camp? He's not the first one to say those. Luke Thomas talked about a lot of fighters are talking about how things have changed a little bit at that camp. Hmm. Um, I, if you guys didn't see it, by the way, Mike Perry, there was a Deadspin article about his stupid, he dressed like a Native American chief. And the headline was, Dumbest Man in MMA Cuts Extremely Racist Promo Video. And as I told the guys, while I saw the headline before I saw the image, I was like, I bet it's Mike Perry. Then I scrolled down. I'm like, yeah, it's it's Mike Perry. Wait, don't let me down there, buddy. Go way to go. <laughs> um, all right. Um, am I alone on this one? Yes, you are. You're a man on an island. All right, Jermaine Duran to me, Raquel Pennington fighting at 135 pounds. Jermaine's the favorite, minus 165. Rocky's plus 145. Um, Stefan's taking Raquel Pennington. I'm taking Raquel Pennington. My reason is I like her more, and I. I, it's hard to look good against her, and in a battle of grit, which every one of her fucking fights are a battle of grit, I don't know, man. Jermaine can't cheat her way into beating her, I don't think. I'm still bitter about all the cheating in that one. Mark, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, this is another tough one. I think when you this, have... Honestly, a lot of these are tough. There's some close betting lines. Three tough cards, you, you three tough fights, you have a good card. <laughs> this is a good card. Um, there's another one coming, man. <laughs> another one. The next one's tough, too. Um, I, I, I'm going with Durandamine, um, I, and I, I hate picking against uh, Pennington because she's grown so much, and even in a losing effort against Amanda Nunes, you just saw that heart on display. There's no quit in this girl. Um, I think Durandamine, I think what Pennington's going to run up against is a higher skill caliber than she's going to be able to handle, uh, mostly on the stand-up. If Pennington can get this down, which I think she's capable of doing, this fight can really take a 180, and Pennington quickly becomes a favorite to win this fight. Um, I'm just a little hesitant to lay my cards on that scenario when we've seen um, Jermaine fight at a higher weight class 
And I think she's going to be a little bit bigger in this fight. And I think Pennington kind of needs that strength advantage to kind of get these girls down and control them. And it might be a little tough with Durandamine, but again, a really tough fight. Uh, if Pennington is able to get her down early, I'm going to be like, Ooh, this is a bad call on my part because I think we're going to learn a lot about this fight in the first minute and a half. You know, if Pennington can work her way in and get her down, then Pennington's going to have a very realistic avenue to getting a decision or even a stoppage. Um, if she can't, I think she's going to be caught on the outside eating jabs and low kicks and knees when they clinch and just not able to implement her game plan. But I'm pulling for Pennington, but I have to go with Durandamine. Mike? I think Durandamine is the better fighter. Uh, I think she should be able to, I think, control this fight against Pennington. But... Mike's not not getting on the back of Jermaine. Didn't want to fight Cyborg. Gonna give up a UFC belt to Randomy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, pretty much. That's she gonna be. I don't care if she was minus five hundred. Mike was not gonna lay it on Jermaine to Randomy right here, folks. It wasn't even a question. <laughs> I like I like how you saw where I was going. I'm just looking at your face, like, oh, he's not picking this girl. Not I mean, even a chance. I, he, he had me sold. I was like, oh my god, no, no. no. Team. I'm just like, once I saw that, I'm like, he's not picking her. Not a chance. This is how Mark makes his move on us. <laughs> okay? Picking correctly. Big favorites. <laughs> um, And I mentioned it. Joseph Benavidez, Ray Borg is a pick em. Um, We last saw, in both minus 110, last time we saw Joseph Benavidez, he came out dressed like the real Slim Shady and uh, went out there and lost to uh, Sergio, if I'm not mistaken. Um. Lost a split, but I thought it was pretty clear he lost that 2-1. Um, Ray Borg hasn't fought since he lost to Mighty Mouse in October 2017, but poor fucking Ray Borg, man. His newborn had to have surgery like four fucking times. Dude threw a fucking hand truck at a bus, and he lost a paycheck in the middle there, too. Um, I like Joseph Benavidez. He's in our opener here. Um Really nice guy, Marcus, I think, right? Would be a fair assumption when, when yeah, you met him. I, mean, nice, I, nice guy. I didn't get to talk to yeah. him for too long, but he was super chill. He, he he, he, for us, so. He's responded to me before on Twitter. Such a nice guy. I'm picking Joseph Benavides to win. I know Stefan is too, but I really... If Ray Borg could get two paychecks, it would make me... I think... Man, he could use it. Like, let's help the guy out. Maybe the UFC can be less shitty these days and give the guy a check. Anyway, I got. I think Benavidez is still better than him. I, Ray Borg's a good fighter, man, but Benavidez is still Benavidez to me. Mike? I met Joseph Benavidez once. I, we did, right? We, we met Joseph no. Benavidez. Wasn't he one of the ones that we... Uh, no, we he was actually fighting. The rest, we saw the rest of them. We, the rest of Team Alpha, man. We saw Chad and Uriah and shit. Oh, right. He, he, was, he, was, he had to fight, actually. He was at the weigh-ins. All right, all those guys are like 135 and below. They all kind of look the same. Um, I still have a lot of faith in Joseph Benavidez. Um, I mean, now that Mighty Mouse is in there, he is literally one of the best 125ers in the world. Um, yeah, so I'm going with Joe B. Mark? Um, yeah, I'm going with Benavidez too. Um, you can't discredit Ray Borg. I mean, he has Formiga. On the, on the scalp list there, and that's a big one, especially after what Formiga was just able to accomplish um, in his last fight. But it, just skill-wise, I think Benavidez is just stronger. But uh, my interesting takeaway, and I'm glad Mike mentioned it, like how many more flyweights are actually, like fights are actually scheduled? Could Not be, many. I mean, but this isn't the last. No, no, no. People have counted. There's a handful. Okay, cool. cool. And they're all with ranked people. 
Yeah. So they're not new ones. It's worth mentioning, by the way, with Joby. Joby hasn't looked like Joseph Benavidez. The shine's off a little. Since the fight he, really didn't help. Honestly, the la- the Cejudo one, that was the one where I'm like, he didn't win that. Yeah. Like, yeah. he got bombed on. He didn't look all that good against Zach Makovsky. He didn't. Honestly, he hasn't had a Joseph Benavidez Rex these motherfuckers fight since uh, he made Tim Elliott tap out with his feet. That was probably the last one. I think losing to Dead Demetrius the second time kind of took it out of him a little bit. And then eventually, man, he's at 30 fights. What are you going to do? You know? Um, this is a really good top four fights. This is their anniversary card, which is, a, you know, their 25th anniversary. They're back in Denver. Um, there's a couple other people you might recognize. Benil Dariush is on the undercard. Um, so is Chaz Skelly. Ashley Yoder, Amanda Cooper should be yeah, a good fight. I, I- I think it's I don't like the six fight. I don't like the six fight main card shit though. I, I'd say that it's important to mention too that uh, Denver is a high altitude city too, so uh, stamina will will take into effect in this uh, and take effect in this card. But mostly, I want to say after these four top fights, they take that high altitude, they fucking jump off a cliff because the rest of the fights <laughs> aren't really worth mentioning all that much. Like Bob mentioned, there's a couple names there, but. They have a solid. I, 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 this form, is this is be, what, and I agree with you, Bob. Like, just make this the main event. Let's make it nice and short and precise, and get in and out quickly. But uh, they got a couple extra other fighters on. Yeah, there no, some exposure. But so we should probably turn on your TV around eight PM Pacific time. Mike will be asleep yeah. by the time the second fight he watches uh, is over. I was gonna say that I'm pretty sure that Zombie and Rodriguez fight is gonna be a barn burner. I will watch I'll the next bet, morning. I'll bet the <laughs> house it's gonna be great, and I bet the house. I'm going to be asleep when it comes Dude, there's a real possibility I'm going to be asleep, man. All right? It's not going to start till like 10.30 over here, probably. Oh, God. They don't know how to air this shit at all. Um, All right. Uh, we have a, this podcast is so long. We're going to do stuff we like. Uh, stuff we like got cut off last week. I honestly right. can't tell you why. Um, that's why it just kind of ended uh, when Mark was talking about Daredevil. It just ended because, uh, I don't know, uh, one of our microphones, my microphone went out. And then it sounded like Mark and Mike and Stefan were talking to nobody for a while. And I thought about going back in and just re-recording what I said, but I don't know how to do that. I don't remember what I said. So hopefully this makes it to you. We talked about Red Dead for half an hour. You should all play. You should all be playing Red Dead. Um, I finished Daredevil season two, season three. It was pretty good, man. I haven't gone back to it yet, but I still plan to. It's it's that's all I got. It was pretty good. Um, and I just want to say. Um, you guys should vote for whoever you want to. That's today. You're listening to this. You yeah. Um, goddamn sticker on your income, beat your ass. If you're a child and your parents are old and white, just steal their ID so they can't vote. I'm kidding. No, I didn't mean that at all. That was a joke. That's, that's a joke. Um, if you live in California, please vote against Diane Feinstein because while she's going to win, if, she, if this other guy got like 30%, it would warm my heart. Um, that was it. But you guys should vote, man. Please vote. Or don't do whatever you want, but you don't get to complain if you don't vote. You if if, if you think the world's fucking you I over. I mean, you can always complain. Your complaints have even less merit than they normally would because you didn't even participate in the. They're gonna raise the tax on weed. Just want to point that out there, potheads out there. If you think weed's already too expensive, you should go vote. <laughs> That's what's happening. Marcus, go ahead. <laughs> uh yeah, I got some bangers to. To talk about this week too um obviously red dead is fantastic um you should already be playing that uh but some other games came out that i've been enjoying one of them's coming out this week that i'll talk to you about in a minute another one came out last week which i've been playing with my fiance christine called call of cthulhu it's a first person kind of 
adventure RPG based on the tabletop board game Call of Cthulhu. Um, it's a little janky, to be completely honest. And at full price, it's tough to fully recommend. But I would give my recommendation if you really love HP Lovecraft. Uh, Lovecraft, this is something to check out. Um, if you're just really into the kind of horror RPG and the $60 price tag isn't a big deal, it's worth checking out. Um, otherwise, I might wait and hold off for a sale. I think this is this would be a really good $40 game. Um, but it's been really interesting so far, and uh, I think probably like halfway through it, um, but I've really been enjoying it. But there is another game coming out on Friday, October 9th, that a demo came out for this last weekend. Unfortunately, we didn't know about the demo last week to tell you about it, but um, this game is called The Tetris Effect. And essentially, it is a kind of reboot, reimagining of Tetris. Um, that's also a VR game. And I know on the face that sounds kind of boring, but this game is being developed by, I can't remember the Japanese gentleman's name that made it, but he also made Res and um, Luminous, which are two really fantastic kind of mind-trippy puzzle games. And they do the same thing here. It's basically, you're still playing classic uh, Tetris, they added some gameplay elements that are kind of over my head, and Tetris is the base game is enough for me to concentrate on. I don't really dig into the other mechanics they added, but what they've done is just put a fantastic visual effect around the game and just scored it with. I've in the demo only had three songs, and it's three of my favorite video game songs now because they are just so fucking cool, and just playing this game just feels so awesome. Um, I'm really excited for the full game to come out, and it's all. Honestly, there's been a couple things on VR that have kind of got me interested, especially recently. There's been a couple of games. Uh, Rescue Bot for PSVR has gotten a lot of uh, positive buzz. Their game Moss also has too. But playing this game on a TV is still really fun, and I recommend um, doing that. But just imagine what it would be like in VR um, is really compelling to me. And I actually just watched a video um, on YouTube with one of the best uh, Tetris players trying the Tetris effect. And it was interesting watching him play on TV. And at the end of the video, they're like, oh, why don't you try it in VR? And in VR, he does even better than he was before. They contributed that to some of the latency that's in PSVR that's actually better than most TVs. But also the fact that it's kind of surrounding you. And the, the whole kind of nux on this game is there's a, literally a thing called the Tetris effect. And it's kind of when your mind goes into kind of like that puzzle zone where you're just completely involved in what you're doing in this case, in this case, playing Tetris and just thinking about just where I'm going to put this piece and how is the next piece going to relate to that and getting into that mindset where your mind is kind of blank and you're just working the puzzle that this whole game is kind of generated to get you into that same mind space when you're in PSVR. So I'm really intrigued by it. Um, playing the demo, which only lasts this weekend was, I was already sold on it, but just playing it and listening to the music and stuff, I was just like, holy shit, this is, now I'm not just getting the game. I'm fucking excited about it. So um, yeah, if you have the opportunity to test out or try Tetris Effect, I really recommend it. That was kind of mind-blowing in this day and age where I've had a lot of video game experiences. Playing Tetris Effect, I was still surprised and shocked by just like what was going on and just how much I was getting into it. So yeah, really, really uh, recommend that one. Mike. It all sounds like some pretty good shit there, Mark. Uh, for me, it's going to be uh, music songs uh, two weeks in a row. Uh, last week, it was uh, Sunflower by... What? Music songs? What, hey, what, as, oppo 
what the hell's a music song as opposed to well, the other kind of song it's, essay for college it's, so. uh, <laughs> it's, it's opposed to a spoken song you know it's uh you don't know about these things bobby uh, how about you just let me finish up what i'm saying all right like we reached uh, a part of the podcast where mike really wants to go to bed sorry go ahead <laughs> Uh, last week it was Sunflower by Post Malone. This week it is the uh, the the song that just came out today. Uh, Thank you next by Ariana Grande. I surprisingly find it very catchy. I've been listening to it all day. My uh, my niece, who is a Ariana Grande fiend, was pleasantly surprised when I told her that I fucks with that song. Nice. All right, um, everybody, go vote. I said it already. It's not a thing you so, like. I, I third that. Vote that. Vote. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be so drunk tomorrow night. Just if it goes as bad, if it goes bad, I'm just I, gonna like point uh, that out Colbert's there. doing a whole live and going to a voting place uh, before work. Yeah, I voted last week. Uh, I th- I showed you. I think I, I think I wrote your name in as something, Mike. I miss the days of uh, voting for Captain Crunch for uh, student, like the student body positions. Mm-hmm. Bobby never gave that up. He'll still vote for. Her. Wait, do you only vote for real people, or do you still put some bullshit on? Them? I, I, if I, I'm not gonna pick a side in these things if I don't know the people. I think I wrote, I wrote Mike's name down for like superintendent, like some shit like that. I think but, you'd be good at that. I think you'd handle the children. I think I made you Phil. I think you made. I made you Sal's boss, Mike, our other friend of ours. Uh, mostly because I thought that dynamic would be fun if you both won. Um, <laughs> this means nothing to anybody. Um, thank you guys all for listening. I really hope you guys hear this part of the podcast. Or any, I'm real who skeptical. Knows? I'm real skeptical after last week. Um, we should be back next week. There's a card every fucking week, I imagine, yep, right? What, what, what are we? What are we talking about next week? Ooh, that's a good fight. Neil Magny and Ponzinibbio. That's this a good is, ass fight. The, yeah, this is the card that you're really excited for, and I'm not. No, no, no. I'm excited for that fucking fight. Um, I'm excited to. I'm not excited for Llamas and uh, <laughs> Llamas and Darren Elkins. Llamas should murder Darren Elkins. Khalil Roundtree though um, killed Gokensaki when I was in the building. That's true. So I'm gonna pay attention to him. But that was my little brother gave me so much shit. Oh, that I picked so badly on that card. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Peace out. See ya. See ya.